The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. We're focusing on all of the playoff races, whether it's real life in the MLB, uh, not the MLB, in MLB, or in our fantasy leagues. All next on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. You can follow Fred on Twitter at Fred Zinke MLB, at, and you can follow me at Jeff underscore Erickson. I uh, can check us out on Rotowire and Yahoo, respectively, as well. Uh, Fred, big night in baseball. I feel like every game now has this extra amount of importance, extra amount of heft. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like we're getting to that point where, you know, you go on a little bit of a losing streak for about, we're probably talking about what, maybe six or seven teams. If they go on a bit of a losing streak, they're done. Like we're at, at that point here. So big win for your Reds tonight, 10th inning. Uh, yeah. Big win over the Tigers. This is a big night to be a Reds fan. Not only did the Reds win, um, but it looks like, never say never at Coors Field, but it looks like the Cubs are going to lose. Arizona has already lost. So Miami uh, has lost. Miami lost. Big and the night. The Giants to, are uh, losing. That's right. So big night to be a, a Reds fan. Maybe might be one of those nights where you just grab a game from and the, and if you care, the Phillies lost. Maybe you don't care about the Phillies anymore. Yeah, that that but one is like oh uh, that ship no, sailed a little bit. If, yeah, if you that, pass the Phillies, you'll have passed a bunch of other teams and already made it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it, some some ducks are lining up there, and there's a lot of that means it just shows how many teams there are to sweat too. Mm-hmm. Um. Currently, the Diamondbacks have the third NL wild card. They're two and a half games behind the Cubs and three and a half games behind the Phillies, which means the Reds are three and a half and four and a half, respectively, on that. Uh, they're also tied with the Giants also. so uh, And the Marlins are a half game behind the Reds. So crazy, crazy stuff right now. Reds have played more games uh, than uh, the Giants, two more games than the Giants, so they're playing right now. And the Marlins have played one less game than the Reds, too, one more game in hand there. So some uh, a lot of different permutations here in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just looking at where the Reds are at, like it's so rare when you're bunched with all of those teams to have a night where you win and they all lose. So right, uh, th- like we're at the point where – you know, we're so close to the end. If, if the Reds were to just squeak in, you would look back at tonight as one of those, you know what I mean? One of those big nights. Oh, remember that night in the middle of September when we gained a, get, we get, we gained a game on everybody? So, yeah. And then my Blue Jays are going in the complete opposite direction tonight. Tonight, but after last week of having a great run, you know? Yeah. Last it, week was the, the A's and then the Royals. So, true. You know, five is five of six against the A's and the Royals. They held they held serve last week. Yeah, I mean the Astros lost tonight. That still oh. helps you too. Um, no, I know they're in first in the AL West, but it's still not they're they're, they're not so prohibitively in, ahead. In fact, they're only one game ahead of the Rangers. Um, you really need like the Dodgers to take care of the Mariners this weekend. That would be very big for you. Yes, that would be. Although if the Jays don't start hitting. Uh, I don't know if they're going to catch anybody the the way they're playing right now. Like they just like, like even last week following them through beating, they win five out of six against those two, two worst teams in baseball. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those games, 
came right down to the final pitches. Uh, you know, like they were not able to put those teams away. Sunday, they had that weird Cole Reagans. He's dominating them. And all of a sudden he can't forget, find the plate. He can't find the catcher anymore. That was so wild. So weird. And uh, I mean, fortunate for the Blue Jays, but just in general, like that was so weird. So, yeah. you know, they had that happen. And then, uh, you know, the I think the Friday game came right. It was 5-4 and came right down to, you know, Romano at the very end. They just, yeah, even against these really bad teams, like they just, they were, they were not able to pull away. And then they look, and then against Texas, like they can't hit. They have not been able to hit for, I know the statistically, you know, like they've had an easy schedule lately. So statistically lately, they've been hitting okay, mm -hmm. telling you this team can't hit. And when they play the Rangers who have a respectable starting pitching staff, it, it really is showing. They, they can't they can't hit they can't uh i don't know i don't know i i am yeah they can't hit that's it they can't hit decent even just decent pitching you know they I'll get two this. runs things like that so I'll, I'll say this though i mean they've only scored 20 runs fewer than the mariners going in tonight and the mariners are up eight nothing so that's gonna actually be 28 after this so, okay it, it already looks worse um and then the red sox have scored more runs but they've given up 100 more runs than the jays have mm -hmm. uh, i mean the jays are plus 72 in run differential they're 15 games above 500 for all i mean i just think you know and here's the thing so yes they face the royals they face the a's last week there are three teams in baseball, all in the American League, that are not just bad, but special bad. The Royals are worse than the A's somehow. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. They hit 101 losses. That, I mean, that that's amazing to me. They won tonight, too, by the way. But uh, the, the A's have won two in a row, and they've, they're stuck at 99. They can't get to that magic 100 there yet. But three teams in the American League have already been eliminated, the White Sox, the A's, and the Royals. And every I, – I, I tend to think, like, all these teams that are in contention are in contention in part because these other teams are kind of bad. The angels have fallen apart again. The guardians are nine games under 500 bless their hearts. I hope they win tonight though. That would be nice. That'd be very useful if they did something handy for us here. Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, that it makes like the twins looks, you know, look like a decent team, but they, they're in such a terrible division. Yeah. Like this is the AL central is a historically bad division this year. I mean, you think about it. You got two teams in the White Sox and the Royals who are just miserable. The Tigers aren't very good, but and they, they at least they're showing some signs of improvements. But they got three teams with triple-digit negative run differentials. Then the Guardians have kind of fallen apart lately. Um, it's just a bad, bad division. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, the Twins remind me more more of the Blue Jays than any other team that's in the playoffs. The, both sure. of those teams can really pitch, um, and they can't hit. The Twins are 14th in baseball and runs scored, and the Blue Jays are 15th. And yeah. and the Twin and the Jays lead the majors going into tonight. They led the majors in ERA. I think the Mariners could end up passing them depending on how this game finishes up. But either way, the Jays are first, second, whatever in ERA, and the Twins are fifth. And both of those teams have had remarkable health in their starting rotations, and have you know among the best rotations in baseball. Solid bullpen, can't hit. Like can't hit well enough. They can hit well enough maybe to squeak into the playoffs. The Twins can get in on the basis of a bad division. If the Blue Jays were in that division, they would have won it too. Um, mm -hmm. I don't. I don't. Not feeling confident about the Blue Jays. But if they were to squeak in, like they can't go anywhere with this hitting lineup. When Davis Schneider's your best hitter, you can't. Even no. though he's on fire. Um, you know who also can't hit. Who you know who else fits that profile is the Brewers. You know. You know. Yep. I put their top three against anybody rotation wise. I think their bullpen's fantastic. I think they have one of the best managers in baseball and Craig council. Uh, but they've scored fewer runs than the Jays. They're at six forty six. They have a plus 50 run differential despite residing in the NL central. Yeah. Basically the same team. I mean, they're fourth, like you said, they're a little bit worse offensively there. They have been this year than the twins and the blue Jays. Um, and they're fourth in ERA. And so they're right there with them. And if they had had Brandon Woodruff, for more than what they had for the whole season or more of the season, you know, maybe they'd be first in ERA or they'd be pretty close. So yeah. anyways, like, yeah, they're the same team. And what? again, I think they can't go deep and like all of the teams that we mentioned, I think could win around. They could pitch their way maybe through, but I think they can't go beyond that. I don't think they can win two rounds without any hitting. They'll lose like four to two have. on a couple, you know, yeah. in a handful of playoff games probably, but 
Um, and let's talk about the, the Brewers, uh, some of the individual pitchers here. You mentioned Woodruff. Freddie Peralta had another gem today. Um, he's sitting at 12 and eight. He's got, but more importantly, a 110 whip, 379, but he's been so good lately. Corbin Burns is who he is. He's actually been a lot better in the second half. He struggled in the first half. And then you mentioned Woodruff, Woodruff 193-079 since coming back. I mean, he, he's not going to have that many stats because he missed so much time. And that shoulder risk isn't gone. That's the problem. But, I mean, we took him around the 2-3 turn this year. Where is he going to go next year? I think he goes in the same. I think he goes in the same spot, and maybe that's foolish. Maybe we're overlooking potential, you know, durability concerns. But I think, and he's pitched a little bit over his head. But they always pitch over their heads, like you know, when when the ratios are this low. That's such a. I don't even like myself for making that comment. You know, like like when somebody has a one ninety three ERA, unless he's Jacob Degrom or maybe Max Scherzer a few years ago or Verlander a couple years ago, like they're pitching over their head. But either way, Ver, uh, Woodruff has shown this year that he is who he has always been. He's got a career three oh eight ERA. That's who he is. He's a, he's a great pitcher. Um, mm. Does he have some durability concerns? Yeah, probably. He missed a handful of starts last year. Um, he, and he's going to only end up making about a dozen starts this year. I think he goes in the same spot among pitchers. So let's say back end of the top 10. I think that's about where he'll go. Um, is it a little risky? Uh, I don't know. What else I think suits what suits Woodruff this year is um, like looking into next year is this year Woodruff didn't pitch a lot, but he did pitch well. Very few pitchers pitched really well this year. Um, yeah. that's something I've been doing some year end, like starting to prep some year end articles. And it's just fascinating. Um, like how few pitchers, basically no pitchers have separated, uh, from the pack this year. If you look at the earned auction value calculator at the Rotowire site, like you, you've got Garrett Cole at $28 Strider, 25 gallon, Justin Steele, 24. Like we don't see, it's rare that we, it's really rare. Like we don't have a $35 pitcher. We've got two, four, six, eight, nine, nine hitters of $37 or more. We don't have a pitcher up there. We always have a pitcher up there. Yeah. E- even if it's not sustainable, we always have a pitcher up there who produces first round value. Like it's, it's, this is a year where very few pitchers have produced, forget first round value. Like, like by the time I get down, you know, around pitcher 10, we're talking $20, less than $20. I think we're down under that. And we're down about $19 on the earned auction value calculator. So it's not hard to picture Woodruff like meeting that standard next year. You know, there are certain pitchers that whether they're starters or closers, they don't like usually project to be the top guy or the second guy even sometimes, but they're always there. Yeah. You know, Cole's always there, yep. uh, you know, and thus you, you get Mariano was the, the perfect the, like the prime yep. example like if you use like straight up like sgps like some people struck out more uh guys some people got you know, more innings so they'd have a little bit more impact on their stats you know maybe more saves in one given year but mariano was there every year that reliability that stability is something that is hard to quantify when we're doing like if we just do a, a rankings formula but yeah you got to push them up that 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 gives them like a rounds worth of grace i feel like yeah, I used to I I did SGPs like during his during Rivera's heyday, and it was you're right. Every year he would be like the third or fourth reliever on my list when yeah. I just did the SGPs. He would never be first because mm-hmm. there'd always be someone who struck out 100 batters last year and got yeah 50 saves or 40. Gagne saves. here, or JJ yeah. puts there, and then they yeah. flame out. That's right. So you know, and then when you and then there was a point in his career where you were like, you know what, just bump him up just put him first or second because he's going to get you about 40 saves have terrific ratios. And you just accept the fact that you're going to get maybe more like 70 strikeouts and mm-hmm. a couple people are going to hit on their closers and they were going to get a hundred strikeouts, but you weren't really sure which ones. So yeah, he, he is the, you're right. Rivera is the prime example. And you know what, when we start looking ahead, I know we're kind of meandering down a path here, but it's an interesting one to me when we start looking at pitchers, since the pitchers didn't separate this year, when we start looking at pitchers for next year and which ones you want to take, maybe you try to find it. You'll not find, you won't find a Rivera type, but maybe you want to find someone where you're just like, you know what, this guy could be awesome or pretty good, but he probably won't be bad, 
Cole's different because you're going to pay a lot for him. I'm thinking a little lower down the list, but finding someone where you're just like, you know what, this guy's always good. And yeah. I, and there's not much separating these pitchers. This guy's always good. I'm just going to take him. Yeah. And I always found a, found it hard to quantify that because like, you know, people use our projections in dollar values, but you know, I can do it in like in a set of rankings. No problem. I can just bump them yeah. up. No problem. Yeah. But how do I represent that statistically without, without the stats looking absurd, you know, without like saying, well, this isn't, you know, my projections, this, this is really what I think he'll do. And that's great because this, you know, it's just that reliability factor there. Um, do I, do you like artificially give them 10 extra saves just to put them at the top of your list? So when, when someone who comes in comes to rotowire.com says, Oh, I want to see your, your dollar values. And they're set to according to your projections, obviously. And then the ranking formula, like, okay, I just really have to juke the stats. If I want him to show up as the top, the top dollar value closer or the top dollar value starter, it was always one of those like conundrums. Cause that's, but then that's not really what I think he'll do like statistically. But, you know, you know it, so that to me, do I downgrade everybody else, I guess? But then you start running into that. Nobody has more than 30 saves sort of projection. And that that's that is something I always had a problem with, like the machine projections, like steamer type projections. They are all leavened out too much. Yeah, for sure. I think the, the way that you project those players with, it, it, like you said, with Rivera, for as an example, is you, you do give him the highest saves total by a significant amount, because what you're saying is. Like you're like almost like a, you can't you can't be a hundred, but you're basically a hundred percent confident that he's going to get in the forties yeah. for saves. So you give him forty five saves, and then like a JJ puts or something like that, who is an awesome blast from the past. Like you mentioned, he had thirty six saves and one hundred and four strikeouts in two thousand six, and then the next year he had forty saves uh, and a one thirty eight ERA and a point seven zero WHIP. But because you got this flash in the pan fear for him, you, you, like you said, you even though he come coming off a 40 safe season, you project 35. Whereas you give Rivera like a healthy, like 44. That's a yeah. nine save. I guess gap. that's what that, you just have to do. Right. And then, but, but, and that's almost realistic because you're saying, you know, I think there's a 70% chance that puts gets 40 saves. But I also think there's in that remaining 30%, I think maybe half of that is that he doesn't even get 10 or he doesn't even get 20. Right. Right. So, and the next year he ended up getting 15 after the 36 and the 40, he got 15 and the ratios were terrible. And so it, so, so I think that was the way, and then you, and then like, so it's not about giving Rivera stats that are unrealistic for him. It's about maybe being a little more conservative on these flash in the pan closers and, and it would be the same thing maybe for, well, starters are a little different, but like, yeah. unless you're totally show, sold on the skills, like, like when you project Justin Steele next year, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we need to be, oh, I steamer is like, well, if you go back and look at them is be a little more conservative, you know, yeah, but like, that, Hey, this guy's only done it once. So, and that's, that's all great. And then that stops, prevents you from getting Spencer Strider proper, properly valued. Yep. People who have Strider this year are doing well. If yep. they're not doing well, it's because of other picks, but they're, you get yep. such an advantage of strikeouts there. And, you know, smart people were bumping him up early in the first round. Uh, and remember it, it seems obvious now, but it wasn't obvious last November. And you know, at least to nope. a lot of people, it wasn't uh, a lot of people named Erickson, for instance, it wasn't obvious because I didn't take him in the first round anywhere where I got him. I had him either as a keeper or I got him in the league that collectively waited on him because, you know, you know, the, the leagues drafted later. I saw leagues where Strider, like my TGFBI league, uh, the guy that's running with our league, uh, he, Bart Perry, he, he got him in the middle of the third round. By the time we got to yeah. late March, it was end of the first, beginning of the second. You know, but it, 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 now you think about it, like, yeah, he's killing strikeouts for you, just absolutely killing it for you there. Where, but, you know, he had only had one year as a starter. So that, that sometimes you have to embrace the volatility, but, or maybe, or, I don't know, maybe you just, that's your draft philosophy. I mean, the great thing about fantasy baseball, though, if you miss out on one strider, it doesn't destroy you. You know, it just no. it just doesn't. There's so many players and there's so many breakout players. You can miss out on one. We talked about this with closers last week, I think, and that if you did and or at least in, in, in multiple weeks, actually, you know, when Edwin Diaz had 60 saves, it didn't really matter that you didn't have them. It was nice, but it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't necessary. It wasn't, it certainly wasn't sufficient. You know, it was one of those, it's nice, but you can, there are other ways to win. 
Yeah, the the whole I mean league winners exist in fantasy baseball for sure, but it not to the degree they do in fantasy football. In right. fantasy football there's those, you know, you got Lamar Jackson during his first awesome season or you know things like that like mm-hmm. like every every year there's a few players who just completely destroy their projection in fantasy football and because you start fewer players they are truly league winners where at the end, you know, uh, Yahoo or an ESPN will run back stats and say this person was on like a third of championship teams or 25% of championship teams. You don't see that in fantasy baseball. There are players obviously that do that. Like Matt Olson this year, right? 51 home runs after tonight. Um, like he's going to be on a lot of league winners, but it's not the same. It's not going to be to the same degree as fantasy football. So like you said, like if you got Strider and if you got him, especially if you got him early in draft season as a third rounder, um, it's amazing. I got him as a third rounder in our labor league early in the third round, and I'm not going to win the league. I'm doing well, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't enough because the rest of my, there's so many components to obviously do a fantasy baseball team. He can't hit home runs for me. That's a big problem on my labor team. Yeah. (laughs) Todd Zola yeah. chimes in. This is great. He, we talked about how pitching projections were more bunched heading into the season. Mm-hmm. The names are different, but the distribution is similar. So, Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I like that. I, lo- I love yeah. that smart people like Todd are listening. I love that. That's, that's right. That's great. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's, that makes my day. I, I love it. Like Paul Spore chimes in on the Sunday night chat uh, the podcast with us there. Uh, Rob D. Pietro does too. Smart people. I love it there. It's yeah. nice. Um, let's talk about some of the other... Uh, you know, things, uh, difference makers of tonight. Well, first of all, Mark's Max, Max Scherzer left with a mm-hmm. tricep strain. Ugh, frustrating. You know, what are you going to do with Max Scherzer next year? Yeah. And I watch, obviously I was watching that game, uh, since it was a Jays game and, uh, he was almost like annoyed when he left. It was a weird one. Mm-hmm. Like he, he felt He's always annoyed. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, like, it's not like he was in like, a. now he is going to get checked out and this may end up shutting him down for a while. Who knows? We'll see. Um, but it was like, he threw a pitch and he was like, ah, that's weird. You like, he, he just was like, ah, that's, and then they come out and see him. And then he's like, ah, I think I'm okay. And then he kind of throws another or moves his arm and he's like, no, I'm not okay. Ah. And then he leaves. He's kind of like annoyed, but didn't seem like he was in that much pain. So then I was trying to decide if it was precautionary. I think at Max Scherzer's age, 39, nothing's precautionary. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he's going to let, even if this shuts him down, he has reached 150 innings this year. Uh, last year, he was at 145. Um, I guess that's where we start the projection lot next year and then see where you want to go from there. The year before that, he was at 179. So he's gone 179, 145. And this year he's just over 150. Let's say he's done because of this injury or he throws maybe one more start. It's 155. So we're starting a projection around 150, but he's going to be 39 years old on opening day, 40 years old, halfway through the season. Uh, I think if you're being smart, you set that projection at about 135 innings. Yeah, and because, probably some degradation in the ratios, some yeah, degradation well, in the K rate. This year there was. He's got a 391 ERA. How much more do you want to degradate from well, 391 I mean, I, ERA? Well, obviously the projection was going to be better than that. So yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think if you're doing some sort of three-year weighted average, you're gonna, yeah, you're you're definitely going to weight it even heavier towards this last year. I guess that's that's what that's I it. If you're going to do the three-year weighted average, you have to look at the fact that there's a stark difference this year. There's a 113, yeah. the 113 whip, which isn't bad, but for Max Scherzer, it is bad. Like compared to the year, previous years where it's all consistently well below one. Mm-hmm. I mean, his, his whips, the, the previous few years, like nobody's throwing those this year. So yeah. Um, yeah. And, and his BABIP this year is 268. That's actually like, it's not like his 113 whip comes from having a really high BABIP or a sudden change in it. Um that's not where it comes from. And his FIPS higher than his ERA. So it's again, it's not, it's not like you look at all the ERA indicators and you're like, Oh, this guy's just super unlucky this year. He's still the two something ERA pitcher. He's not. So yeah, you'll have yeah. to weight it more towards that. But I think I'll project him to still be a pretty good pitcher. I don't even know. 135 innings feels rich. I might go 130. I bet I won't have any Scherzer next year. Yeah. I don't I'm know if I have any Scherzer and I don't know if I'll have any Verlander. No. Yeah, Verlander got the loss tonight against the A's. He's at three thirty nine, but obviously he's missed a ton. He missed a ton of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, seven innings tonight. So what's that put him at? Uh, 
I put him at 143. 143. Yeah. So he's yeah. going to same thing. He's going to get up over 150, 160, maybe get to 160. Mm-hmm. Last year was 175. He's a year and a half older than Scherzer. So if he's if he finishes this year at 160, I'll probably project next year. I can be low again. I think probably 135, something like that. Yeah. I don't. I. I mean, there's times where you you're willing to be left holding the bag on some of these guys, but once they're over 40, I don't. I think I'm going to be conservative. Yeah. Who did you uh, did you pick up any streamers this week? Is there any pitchers that like, maybe different streamers? I know you you mentioned Jordan uh, Jordan Wicks is uh, someone you wanted to talk mm-hmm. about, and he had two stars this week. I went back and forth and back and forth whether I was going to start him in the uh, Rotowire Staff Keeper League. I did start him yesterday. Um, happy I did so. You know, he pitched well, didn't get a win, but still pitched well. Um, and now you know I'll get a better start for his second start this week. Um, I did drop out of first place today. It, well, blink a second and it'll change again. Seriously, it is amazing how often this changes. Uh, we got like five people in the race. Todd Zola, who chimed in earlier, uh, Clay Link, Ryan Roof, Eric Halterman, even Eric Segrist. So we have like a six-person race, really. Um, but like you blink and it changes. It, it's, it's really wild. But uh, anyhow, I did start him this week. Uh, made that tough choice. Um, happy with, uh, with the result. That, that, that definitely worked out. Um, I didn't have anybody going today. That's why I dropped. Well, I did get a save. Uh, I've been getting, I, I fake saves in that league. But anyhow, this isn't about me. It's about Jordan Wicks. What do you mm-hmm. think about Jordan Wicks? Yeah, I mean, the, I'd say the only concern with Wicks really is that the strikeout totals have been so low in his last three starts. Like he came in against Pittsburgh and got nine the first time out at Cincinnati three, home to the Giants one, and then at Colorado two. I mean, it's awesome that he survived a Coors Field start at the start of this week, so you could use him for the two-start week. He didn't get a win, but whatever. He Six innings, one run, four base runners at Coors. That's amazing. But the strikeout totals being so low are a little bit concerning. I would roll him, though anywhere this weekend he'll be one of my recommended for my weekend yahoo article he's at arizona this weekend arizona's has poor timing this weekend in the sense that they're facing the cubs in a really big series for them and unless they change something uh, neither zach gallon nor merrill kelly will pitch in that series so uh, he gets a matchup against ryan nelson that's a nice one to potentially get a win. yeah so they've got like they've got kyle hendricks who's like not amazing, but he's better than Zach Davies going up against Zach Davies on Saturday. They've got Justin Steele against Brandon Fodder on Friday. Like they have the, I would say like clearly superior pitcher in all three games this weekend. So that's a tough one for Arizona. Like I said, just bad timing. Arizona has two that's- pitchers who would match up really well for that series. They pitch Wednesday and Thursday. That's yeah. the thing about Arizona. Unless Gallon or, or Kelly's out there and Kelly missed a big chunk of time. Mm-hmm. they're always underarmed, you know, they, yet here they are still in the wild card race. It, mm-hmm. they, they, you know, the Reds, same thing that, you know, you look at the Reds pitching staff, you're like, whatever, how are they even in the race? But, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's remarkable. And the Reds are, have a sub, you know, they have a like negative 30 run differential too, but <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's just the, you know, I mean, let's face it. The, you know, wild card bubble is pretty soft compared it to is. the AL one. Um, it is. Those teams are going to probably just plot along because they're so, they're all so flawed. Yeah. You know, like the Reds are very flawed. The Diamondbacks are very flawed. Miami's very flawed. You know, like they're just going to pl- the Giants are the worst OPS in baseball since the All-Star break and by a <laughs> wide margin. The, the maybe at Coors this weekend, they'll correct that, but and be able to get it out of, out of the basement. But bottom line, like they can't hit since the All-Star break and they're still in and around a spot. So yeah, all those teams are so flawed. They are indeed. But but someone will emerge. But I think they'll just kind of plot along all of them, at you know, you know, five hundred winning percentage, five fifty, whatever, till the end of the season. But it'll be exciting. It'll be awesome in the last week because I've probably three of those teams. Maybe one drops out. I bet most of them will still be in the race because I don't think anyone will put everyone else away. Yeah, uh, yeah. you're probably right about. Yeah, that. like I just can't see like a team like you said. Like how can Arizona win? Like with that rotation, how can they win like seven in a row? Or something at some point the reds like same thing like they just can't go on a heater where they just put all the other teams in the rearview mirror but they did go on big, heaters that's the did. only reason why they're in the race is they it's had true. two huge heaters in june it's true the reds have had heaters and arizona earlier in the season yeah. had better pitching at that point in time and and did better earlier in the season i don't know i just don't see maybe miami i don't think so i was gonna say maybe miami has the pitching if they could just get a little hot with the bats, but they play the Braves this weekend. That's probably not going to go great for them. 
No. So that's a, that's good for your Reds. I don't know. I just don't see it. I don't see any of these teams. I think it just, like I say, chugs along till the last weekend of the season. Yeah. Probably uh, ends up with a couple of them in a tie. Someday the Padres are going to get back to the, uh, no, I guess not. Too late nope. for that. But nope. you Darvish out for the season. Blah. Yeah. Yep. Bummer. Bummer. Yeah. Um, yep. Let's talk some hitters. But first, quick note from Home Run Index. You, we know the weather can impact how far a ball can fly, but we never know what all that heat and humidity or cold air is really doing in the ball. The Home Run Forecast Index gives us an easy way to determine how good or bad the air the ball, there is for ball flight. The index is calculated by measuring stadium-specific weather conditions and is displayed on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being the most unfavorable for good ball flight and 10 indicating the most favorable air. There's a strong correlation between the index and the number of runs scored per game and the number of home runs hit. Games that have the highest index, 10 for the whole game, average over 10 runs and 2.8 homers over the course of the year. An index is created for each game, so you can see what it will be in any stadium and how the weather's influence might change over the course of the game, as well as the wind direction. Right now, you can get access to the HRF Premium site for only $5 a month and see what the index will look like for every hour of every game. Go to homerunforecast.com now to sign up. Also, we're on the Blue Wire Network. Here are their ads. All right, Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. Let's talk some hitters. I had some decisions to make, Fred, on who's going to be my starting lineup in said Staff Keeper League race. Uh, it's been a heck of a race. It's like I said, it's been pretty awesome. Uh, I feel like, I, you know, it's first of all, it's an 18-team mixed league. So it's, it's a... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You froze on me there. There I did. There you go. You're back. I am back. <laughs> <clears throat> should have froze sooner um <laughs> so it's a wild race you know i feel like i've been faking it i i'm i'm stunned i'm in this race 
But I guess everybody has some slightly flawed rosters. That's what happens when you're in an yep. team league and there's lots of good, competent owners. Um, so I, my decisions this week, I had two spots that are kind of marginal. Mike Yastrzemski, Christopher Morrell, Jason Hayward, Mike Talkman. Hayward's getting five righties this week. Uh, Talkman's been great, mostly. He gets fourth field, but at course field, I think two of the three guys were lefties. Um, Morrell hasn't been playing as much. But there were see also two lefties. So I started Morell and I started Yastrzemski uh, over Hayward and Talkman. Um, and of course, Yastrzemski homered yesterday. He hasn't, you know, yep. didn't play yet, but, uh, you know, and, and Morell homered yesterday too. So it was immediate gratification. <laughs> it, it's like these are tough guys to rate. Like Christopher Morell, what do you do with him next year? Because he's done a lot of things that are pretty darn good, but he can't play defense at all. Um, he's been losing some playing time. He strikes out a metric ton. Um, how do you, how do you value Christopher Morrell? Well, I think you'll see by the off season, how the Cubs value Christopher Morrell. Cause it's starting to seem actually, I guess his playing time. I was going to say his playing time has been cut. It had been cut a little bit. Um, but it's a little more consistent than I thought. Like, like Morrell hit very poorly in August. That took yes. away probably some of his playing time. Not the fact that he doesn't defend well. Um, it's just the fact that his bat went cold, but still on the season, his OPS is over 800. You know, that usually qualifies for you to be a major league regular, even if your glove's yeah. not that good. So especially if you're not a first baseman or something. So yeah, you, I think but that OPS is concentrated in slugging. It is. Yeah. So, yeah. Does that, sure. it's like over five, he's slugging over 500, which I mean, that's a skill. I mean, that's a very valuable Absolutely. skill. Yeah. Um, and he still can run too. He is like only like four or five stolen bases, but he can run. He yeah. just does. He, I think it's easier to get live through a player's slumps when he can play defense, and he can't. Mm-hmm. He, he, you know, he was a disaster over at third base. Yeah, I think his twenty twenty four value will be decided by the makeup of the Cubs roster and yeah. what they. You know, I think it'll be obvious. You know, if they see him as a at least starting the season as a bench bat, I could see Morrell next season not being drafted in mixed mm-hmm. leagues because he doesn't have a clear path to an everyday role. And then by the end of April, somebody's hurt and he's playing a lot more often and he's on a roster. I could see him being that kind of guy because he doesn't hit for a high average that like caps his ceiling a little bit. And he doesn't steal a lot of bases. He's not a zero, but he doesn't steal a lot of bases. Yeah. Um, so I think. I think what will happen with him is, yeah, like in a lot of leagues, he'll start the season on waivers. And then, you know, someone will, because he can play a lot of positions, someone will get hurt. Now, maybe in some 15-team leagues, someone will love Christopher Morrell and have the foresight to say, you know what, I'm going to roster this guy for a couple of weeks and wait for someone to get hurt and then have him as a regular. I don't know if his, if he's enough high upside. Just for the record, I do think you picked the right two guys this well, week. The week's not over. I think Yastrzemski was an obvious pick. I think that one was for sure you had to take him. Yeah, um, he's someone who like he was hurt for so much of the year, but when he's healthy and they're facing a lot of righties, like he he's someone who's mixed league worthy. And when they're playing three righties at Coors Field this weekend, uh, out of the four games, you know that like yeah. the, the home run on Monday was a bonus. But yeah, I think he's someone that you had to use. Uh, Hayward yeah. was a tough call, like you said. He's been so good for the Dodgers. Yep. I mean, of course, the Dodgers could fix him a little bit. Although it's interesting, they couldn't. They, they, they broke Cody Bellinger and couldn't put him back together again, and the yeah. Cubs could, which yeah. is just a scenario you don't really anticipate. But yeah, Hayward, he's 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 really been pretty good for the Dodgers. Uh, that, that, that's worked out pretty well. Pure platoon player, but uh, still, they had five righties this week, so it was a tough. And I had just picked him up, but sometimes in, you know we don't have a rule in the staff keeper league that you have to start your pickups. It's not like labor. It's not like talent. Right. Um, right. You can pick up to stash or pick up to block. As the case may be, I don't think anybody else is going after Hayward. I mean, not he's a he's not a trendy young up and comer or anything like that. Uh, but nonetheless, I did get uh, I was frustrated. I wanted to get Ryan Pepio this week. Uh, he was uh, a, he was available because he is sent down. He was hurt for a while. He was hurt for a long time for the season. But you know he was ineligible because he had gotten sent down after a good start, like before Sunday's pickup rounds. Uh, so this week he was available and he went for like 11 bucks, which with three weeks left to go, that's a pretty good chunk of change out of a hundred, hundred dollar budget with no $0 bids. Yeah. He, he's someone, I think the way he pitched has pitched the last couple times out. And yeah. then the fact that he's on the Dodgers 
if you're someone who wear some pitch, an extra win or a few extra strikeouts or whatever, a little ratio help could swing your season. You just go all in for them. You know, I don't say build all of your remaining fab, but you know, you save a few bucks for some $1 bids the last couple of weeks, but that's it. Other than that, you go all in for him because you're probably not going to find a pitcher on waivers that has more upside than what he has for the rest of the season. Again, I recognize he's got three strikeouts in each of his last two starts, those two awesome starts. But just the fact that the Dodgers, you're probably not going to see someone who's on a team as good as the Dodgers, you know, who's coming off a couple of great starts and you, and you get them for the last three weeks. So, you know, you're not going to get three weeks out of anyone else that comes up the rest of the way. So I think he was, he was worth whoever gave the 11. Like I think he was worth emptying whatever you could for him. I, I think so too. Yeah. If, if, again, if you, it's so specific now to some teams, he would hold no value. I have teams that have, would, he would hold no value because of where we're at with wins and our ratios. Right. And, and the thing is at 11, do you keep him next year? Probably not. Um, it's two sixty budget. You know, mm-hmm. it'd be a year two of his contract. You don't have to raise him or anything. Uh, but maybe five or seven, he would be, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's true. interesting. Well, I mean, I think, again, this is the, the cop-out answer is it depends on what he does the rest of the way. But Yeah, but the 11, uh, I guess, is you're right. It's just it's it's a win-now bid, and you're probably not keeping him. Yeah. Because Although, of that. Who knows? Maybe maybe he dominates the, the, in the rest of the way and into would, the playoffs. And then, he would have to do that. I think it would have to be more than the regular season to keep him at 11. Yeah. Do you uh, – if you're running the Dodgers, what's your playoff rotation right now? Oh, that's a – that with Urias gone with Kershaw losing velocity and kind of struggling lately Lance Lynn is a good bully but he gets beat up by the good teams oh, yeah you know Bobby Miller Pepio Sheehan you know so Bobby Miller and Pepio I think have to be in it then that's what I was getting at and Kershaw and I think you just got to ride with Kershaw and then and Lynn's maybe your third or fourth yeah I'd say Lynn's your fourth and you just cross your fingers like mm-hmm. I'd say, unfortunately, like that is boy, that does not seem like a team that could win the World Series even with a good offense. Yeah, but like you can Kershaw, play that game with a lot Kershaw, of contenders. Pepeo, though, Miller, Lynn. Yeah, Ugh, and not a great bullpen this year. Yeah, N- now do uh, Tampa Bay. Tell me their rotation in the playoffs. So Tampa Bay, I think, I think that one's like, I think that one can be good enough. Like well, the top three are good enough. Yeah. Well, Glass now for sure. Mm-hmm. Savall, Savall and Eflin are totally Tampa Bay type pitchers who can go out in the playoffs yeah. and, get, like I'm, and give you whatever, six innings, two runs, something like that. Six innings, three runs, five innings, two runs. Like I totally think those guys are good enough in uh, as, as Rays to do that. And then Zach Lytle's got it, probably got to be your fourth. Who's been, he got eight strikeouts right, just, in yeah. his last start, right? He just got eight strikeouts here. So um, Zach Lytle's like not awesome, but like, I like that rotation infinitely better than what the Dodgers are going to put out there. Yeah. I mean, the yeah, Dodgers... I think that race rotation is if they could all, if, if glass now stays healthy, like I think, and glass now someone who like for fantasy, I've never been a big glass now guy just because the glass is always half empty for me. See, it's not too late for me to make those puns. And I know Todd will appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that. But the, the glass is, uh, it's always, it is, it's always half empty for me in fantasy because he never makes, He's never, he still never made 20 starts. He might get there he's, this year. He's still a glass now and not a glass future though. That's, that's right. Sure. But, but yeah. as far as a glass now for the playoffs, like if, if we had fantasy seasons that were a month long, I would be really high on Tyler glass now if he was healthy when that month started. So for the Rays, he's someone who could go into the playoffs and clean up for one month mm-hmm. and, and be really good. So I think the Rays have just enough because of the Rays. I think they have enough pitching that, they could actually go all the way this year. I'm not saying they will, but they're pitching. I think getting Savale at the deadline was huge for them. That's what the Dodgers don't have. That's what they tried to get, I guess, with Lynn. Just yeah. cheaper. Like well, they tried to get Lynn, plus they tried to get uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. And right. they didn't have a yeah, fallback off of Rodriguez, unfortunately. So really, between what's happened with Arias and what happened with Erod, those two things together, which are really out of the control of and foresight mm-hmm. of Dodgers management, like that's that's what sunk them, in my opinion. If they don't make it, and let's just face it, the trade inventory wasn't there this year. Joe Sheehan's yeah. been driving that point home yeah. uh, when he re- he was evaluating teams. Like once again, here's a team that needed another starter but couldn't make a deal because it wasn't there. The Reds, you know, obviously yeah. were a, a team in that Arizona, another team like that. Um, 
couldn't when you know some teams pulled the trigger. The Rays acted quickly and they gave up a really good prospect yeah. uh to go yeah. get Aaron Savali, but they knew they had a definite need. So credit yeah. to them for doing that. Uh so you know that, that was pretty big. Uh I did promise hitters, and since we're talking Rays, how about mm-hmm. Jose Syria now? Hairline fracture. He's a drop, right? What and but the the, yeah. the question is, what do you do with him next year? He's got such a weird statistical profile. Yeah, he does. I mean, home runs and steals. It's a really good profile. Even if he doesn't play again this year, he's 25 homers, 12 steals. That's a really good, really good profile. But he just, they don't play him a ton. Like he's played in 101 games, got 338 at bats. Mm-hmm. It's hard in a mixed league to draft someone who gets 338 at bats. Um, and he hits, hard. he's hitting 222 and his career is 223. So we're, we're almost assured a low batting average. And then because yep. of the at bat total being low, like this year, had he not got hurt at the end of the year, he would have finished in the low to mid 60s in runs and RBIs. That's, that's not very good for a mixed league, especially for, but, but I, and I have him on some teams and I felt like you just can't drop him because someone with 25 homers and 12 steals, like you can't drop that guy. He's too good. But then I would often have him in my lineup and then he plays like four games in the week and then he, the runs and the RBI totals are low and those categories matter. And, He's a, he's going to be a weird guy to rank the next year. I I don't know. I'm not going to rank him optimistically. If I end up with him, that's fine. But I'm not going to project a big bump in playing time because I think the Rays have been pretty consistent this season that that's not what they envision doing with him. Like, like they really haven't done that. How could they? He's you know, got a 267 OBP. That's that's a killer. That destroys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, like they're not like they they seem like they're not interested unless his plate skills i guess really jump like his playing time from april was low but then may june july august september Mm -hmm. was going to be the same like his playing time in all those months was pretty similar i'll probably project him for i don't know maybe 400 at bats probably not even and then because of that pretty modest totals in runs and rbis and then i don't know to me he'll probably fall to being a late rounder for me and then you factor in the low batting average yeah, and that's just yeah. the point. Yeah, that yeah. And it's maybe the I counting stats more. where he's just not going to help you that much. Fifty-eight, you know, yeah. despite twenty-five homers, he's only scored fifty-eight runs. He's only knocked in fifty-six, um, mm-hmm. and he's twenty-seven. He's yeah. not getting. Yeah, we're not better. going anywhere. Here. This is yeah. this is it. This is what you see is that's what right. you get here. That's right. And and there, and he's someone where if he went south with the bat, like like these numbers are poor. If he went south and all of a sudden the OBP starts being like 240, I don't know. It, his, the fact that he can play center field well saves him and keeps him in as much as it does. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not even a Kevin Kiermeyer maybe level bat, even with the extra power. I, maybe he is. I don't know. Like all those times when the Rays were playing Kiermeyer, well, they play him a fair amount. He'd get hurt. They try to play him a fair amount. I don't know. Maybe that's a better comparison than I, Kiermeyer's a little better batting average. Mm-hmm. a little less pop looking at his career numbers, OPS career OPS is not too much different. I don't know. Maybe he's not, he's not obviously not quite the fielder Kiermaier was, but anyways, I think I'll project him for about 400 at bats. And then because of that, you know, the counting stats won't be that great. The batting average will be low. He'll probably come in as replacement level. I think he may just be someone I don't want to mess with next year because I just don't think there's a ceiling. And I, I think I this is where now we're coming full circle where we talked about Mariano Rivera and these star and these consistent stars. He's kind of like the opposite where like he may come out in my SGPs a little bit ahead of some other players, but mm-hmm. there, I just feel like there's no ceiling. Like I like he, he might come out as replacement level and I could draft him as replacement level and then he'll just steer me towards replacement level. And that's it. And maybe I think at that point in the draft, I want to pick someone who has the potential to be better than replacement level. And I don't think Siri does. They won't give him the playing time and he can't hit well enough. Right. Well, so I, I think that's right. That's a, that's an example of where your SGPs may steer you to like steer you to the wrong guy. Yeah. As far as potentially winning your league. Like there's just, there's just feels like there's no breakout potential there. And like I said, I had him on teams this year and there's so many weeks where I started him and he played four games. Oh yeah, he he's like in a twelve-team league, he is like perpetually on that roster yes. bubble. Oh, yeah, roster and lineup bubble, and you, you yeah. just hate that. Just hate yeah. That. There, in a twelve, there's like no chance I am drafting him. You next get year. Whip, you get the whipsaw where okay, he got four homers this week, and yeah. he was on my bench. 
And then you yes. can start him the next week. Oh, God, I should better get him back there. And he plays like he gets a 10 at bats. I'm like, ah. Yeah. I, I did in our labor league, I did make the decision to just play him. Like, mm-hmm. I, my outfield was weak in that league. And like, I didn't want to get the whipsaw. So I just said, you know what? He's in my lineup. I'm not taking him out. If he's healthy, okay. he, he's in my lineup. I know I'm only going to get four games, but. I know that these 25 homers are coming at some point and I don't mm-hmm. want to miss them and the 12 steals. So he's just going to sit in my lineup, but it, it wasn't, it was fine. It's fine. I don't know. It, it wasn't that satisfying. Yeah. yeah. I understand. Speaking yeah. of labor and unsatisfying, give, <laughs> I give you O'Neill Cruz played nine games this year. They've ruled him out coming back. How do you put a value on O'Neill Cruz for next year? Yeah. I mean, so now we've got, well, we did. Okay. So do you just value him the way you valued him for this year? Mm. Like if he's healthy in spring training. Would no, you just I got to downgrade him? him some from where I had him this year. Because he was so injury prone this year. Well, just because he didn't even come back. I mean, he was just injured period. I mean, if he, if, you know, it, it, it was such a devastating injury too. I don't know. Does he, what does he, how does he run next year? That's the thing that, that scares me. And, you know, he had 10 stolen bases in 2022. He had three and nine games to start the year this year. Could have been like a massive guy. Yep. But I mean, he, this is like possibly career changing type of injury. You know, he may not run the same ever again. We don't know. Maybe he's like, if I, that's one guy I will watch in spring train to see yeah. if he's running. I'm going yeah. to see that. Okay, so so maybe we could say this: if he's run, if he looks fast in spring training, grab your twenty twenty three projection and just use it for twenty twenty four. If he doesn't, then maybe you downgrade it, kind of ten percent across, not quite across. The oh, I downgrade it twenty five percent if it's not. I was going to say maybe you downgrade the steals twenty five percent and the batting right. average a bit, but maybe you leave the runs and RBIs not too different. Then. Which I which means I'm ra- I am yeah. downgrading the round value. Which, oh, it means you're not drafting. Him. Yeah, it means you're probably not. not. Uh, I I think if he's running in spring training, I'm still downgrading him 10 percent because this is an injury that happened. And I don't know, you know, maybe I think that makes it more likely to recur. Maybe not 10 percent, maybe 5 percent. Or, you know, he's like, but he's the buzz of everybody in camp. I don't know. Yeah, if he's if he looks fast and athletic again in spring training, he will go where he went this year. Mm -hmm. And you just may not be the guy who who dives in on that. Well, especially because I think I'm so rich. Yeah, yes. That's true. That's a big part of it too. You're right. He, uh, I think if he's, if he's whipping around in spring training, stealing bases, we're seeing highlights of him stealing bases or making Mm -hmm. great fielding plays and, Oh, look at that ankle's totally fine. Um, I think because of, you know, his potential to have whatever, like we talked about in the preseason, like maybe he could be a 30, 30 guy. Um, I think he'll go pretty high in drafts. Yep. Matt Olson hit his 51st homer of the season today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, um, I, you know, just, I, re, I still remember when he struggled to knock in runners uh, early in the season. That, that turned out to be pretty laughable. Yeah. Up to 128 RBI. That's just surreal. I mean, this is obviously when, he's, when Matt Olson's hitting 281, it's almost like a guarantee. It's, it's like mm-hmm. a win for you. You just know it's yep. going to be that way. What do you uh, do with Matt Olson next year? I think. I have come around to the idea of him being a late first round pick. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's a middle for mid first round pick. I think between the fact that there's no steals and that the batting average goes <laughs> up and down a bit with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a couple reasons, I think he, that he can be a late first round pick. Um, one is I'm more comfortable drafting a zero steal guy early because there are just more steals out there. So mm-hmm. it, Previously, I know you need more steals to compete, but there are more steals out there and they're available now at various points in the draft. So I used to feel a few couple years ago, like you had to get some steals early because otherwise you're just getting really crummy players to get your Mm -hmm. steals. So I'm okay with drafting a zero steals guy early if I like him enough. And then my other reason is that it's just so hard to picture the Braves having a bad offense because all of those guys are locked up. And the ballpark's great. uh, Yeah, it's just... Like when you look at their, when you go to their contracts page, um, I think they have a team option on Eddie Rosario. He might be the only guy who could leave. That's the best hitter who could leave. Right. So that's great. Everybody else is staying. Everybody who hits in the top like six or whatever in that lineup is staying. And and in that lineup, Eddie Rosario is so replaceable. I mean, they but he might be back. But right. I mean, it's just hard to picture 
like unless they had a rash of injuries next year, it's so hard to picture that lineup being, I mean, maybe it won't finish first. It probably will. It's the betting favorite. It may not finish first and run scored if they had some injuries, but it's still finished in the top five or something. It's just so good. And, uh, you know, and he's been very, like very durable. Olsen has in his career. Um, going to turn 30 right before next season starts. So he's in his prime still, I'd say as a power hitter. Um, I think he's a late first round pick. What do you think? Matt Olson or Freddie Freeman? Freddie Freeman. Yeah. Did Tell me without looking, uh, how many stolen bases does Freddie Freeman have this year? I'll say 17. Very close. 18. Oh, wow. Okay. And last um, year he had like 10 or 12 and like, Oh, he probably won't get that again. Yeah. He got more. You know, yeah. It's, it's, he's going down the Paul Goldschmidt career path there a little bit, you know, that where, Oh yeah, he's not going to run as much as he did last year. Oh yeah, he's going to run yeah. more. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so that if Freddie Freeman with was Freeman, like it's just like the race. batting average is like so dramatically from Olson. Yeah. It's just so dramatically different. I think. I agree. If, if you took batting average out of the equation, the fact that I think the Braves lineup, we'll see what the Dodgers do with their lineup. They could add people like significant pieces, but I think if you took batting average out of the equation, I think it's really close, and I probably take Olson, but. It is a part of the equation. It's a big part of the equation. And Freeman probably will hit about 50 points higher than Olsen next year. And that's a big deal. Trying to Olsen or Alonzo. Olsen. Yeah. Because especially right now where I just don't know what the Mets lineup is going to look like. Fair. Um, yeah. I think that's a, if they switch teams, I would take Pete Alonzo. Yeah. Even with the fluctuating batting average. I think I just take Pete. I would think I would take Pete Alonso. How many more RBIs would Pete Alonso have? He's got 103 on the Mets. Like how many would he have? If he's on the Braves right now. Like all year. Right. Right. He how many homers like would he, he have hitting in Atlanta? He, yeah. He'd be like Matt Olson. They, if Alonso was on the Braves, he would probably that you're right. That 43 homers would probably be close, a lot closer to Alonso. He'd probably be like 47 and Olson would be at 47 if he hit in New York, you know? Yeah. New and York. and Alonso would probably that 103 RBIs would probably be 120 or 25. Yeah. Is he, and he's got 81 runs scored because he, he draws walks. Like even Alonso does even on the Mets. Like he's probably, he's going to get to net over 90 runs scored. Like you put him on the Braves again, he'd be like Olson where he'd already have close to a hundred or around a hundred runs. Alonso is like Kyle Schwarber last year, despite hitting 220, he's still like, yeah, earning top two round value because he's got yeah. forty three homers. Uh, I mean, yeah, I could see me having Alonzo on some teams next year. It depends, like how high people go after him. But yeah, I'm not I, like I'm not against I'm not against getting one slugger. Home runs were uh, for me personally were a huge weakness this year, so mm-hmm. I'm definitely not against getting one slugger early on. Yeah, it's just yeah. you get Olson, you get Alonzo, and you just you got to be cognizant of where the stolen bases go. I mean, that's yeah. just a tough thing. Yeah. By the way, you remember when Trey Turner was like a total first round bust? Oh, I was going to put him in the notes tonight and then I forgot. And then I was like, whatever, there's a lot in the notes. So I'm glad you brought him up. He's going to be a 30, 30 player probably this year. Yeah. He, he's it's crazy. It, it, it's really weird to tie it to the ovation, but it really seems like that's the, like the demarcation point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild. And I was looking at the earned auction value. He's two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14. He's 15th now going into tonight. He was 15th in the earned auction value calculator home run tonight. So that probably, that'll put him ahead of Adelise Garcia. They were in a dollar yeah. tie. He probably finishes the season somewhere around 12th in the earned auction value calculator. He's back to being a first rounder for sure next year. I think. Yeah, I think so uh, too. If he's a 30, 30 player after, if he was okay, I know he had a bad first half, but if you're a top three pick, he was top four in basically every league this year mostly top three, but top four in every league this year. And then you go 30, 30, you have to be a first rounder the next year. Yeah. I would say, I think so too. Yeah. I think a lot of people are going to remember the first half and not remember like the last two months. I mean, maybe they'll, they'll be smart enough to look at the, they will be smart, smart, smart competitors will be smart enough yes. to look at what, how that finished and all that. But I think any, I think there'll be, there'll be some like bias against by people who like, passed on Acuna and took Turner. Mm-hmm. They're going to be like, never Turner again. That guy mm-hmm. screwed me. You know, no, you, you screwed you first of all. I, th- I think he <laughs> will be a March riser a little bit, not because of anything he does. We just need to get further away from the season mm-hmm. before people step back and look at this guy. And they're like, wait a minute. He's a career, basically a career 300 hitter who was, if he goes 30, 30, he's a career 300 hitter. Who's a, th- was 30, 30 last year and was a top five pick the year before. Like, come on like he's and then i think you'll see him maybe rise from like 
15, 16, maybe up to like 10 or, yeah. or something or nine or something. So, yeah, yeah I think I, that's where I see, that's kind of how I see him going. I know the, the second half of that 30, 30 isn't as valuable as it used to be. And he hasn't shown any real ability. You know, he's, he's converted all 26 of his steel attempts this year, but he was someone going into the year where you thought maybe he could lead the league or finish top two or three in steals. And he's not really there. Some other guys have kind of taken off ahead of him. So the fact that he hasn't gone up in steals, um, it, it does matter a little bit. He, one neat thing about his steals total too, is he has 11 from the month of June and every other month is four or less. Wow. That will be something to kind of assess at the end of the year with him. But he also wasn't getting on base as much. So yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's a and he hasn't stolen a lot of bases the last couple of months, but it's because he keeps hitting home runs. Yeah. That's so true. Also, when you've hit 15 homers since the beginning of August, you don't have time to steal bases. That's crazy. That's really yeah. crazy. Yeah. That's it. What a that's turnaround true. there. Yeah. Uh, l- let's finish on a negative note because that's what we like to do here. Yeah. Uh, Vlad, uh, 769 OPS. I mean, we, we've kind of like, we've gone over this before. We've, we've we've expressed our negativity before on him but got to do it again unfortunately mm-hmm. yeah and uh and and also like really letting the team down right now he's 0 for 4 the first two games of um of this series against texas he has one home run in the month of september like talk about like just not the exact opposite of julio rodriguez like just not rising to the occasion with the Jays at all. A lot of his plate appearances look to be kind of, are kind of a mess. He only hit three home runs in, in August, 260 of three home runs. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, he, he hit 302 in April. He hasn't hit over 260 in any month since April. Hasn't yeah. had an 800 OPS in any month since April. Like, it's not like, like it's not like he went peaks and valleys. He's actually just been consistently like meh. Yeah. The whole, the whole time. It really has. You know, I thought like there was that little baby surge right after the home run derby. You're like, all right, the home run derby woke him up. And then it didn't. He's -hmm. also an accumulator because he plays basically every day. Mm -hmm. Like he's, I think he might've played every day so far this year. He missed two games last year, one game the year before. Um, So if he get whatever totals he gets to this year, like that will be with like 160 games played, which you can project them for 160 games next year if you want, but I rarely project anyone for such a high games total. Like just the odds of someone repeating that. I know he'll have done it here for a few years in a row, but it just doesn't usually happen. So like they, they get due eventually for some injuries. So um, he's also not the, the picture of peak fitness. So no, but he's always there. out there. Anyhow, he I is. Mean, he's always out there. Yeah. He's, I, but I just like don't the- know what you're going to project for him next year. Like, can you project, will you project 30 home runs? Uh, like if he finishes this year with like 23 and last year he hit 32, like, are you going to project 30 home runs? I don't know. Especially when the ballpark theoretically got better to, as became a better place to hit. It did. Yep. Absolutely. At least for power. Yeah. And and I mean, outside of that one magical year where he played a lot of games in Dunedin and Buffalo, um, outside of that one year, he said he hasn't hit 275 in any season. I don't know. I think he kind of, and he's going to be 25 before next season starts. So like Vlad, one of the cool things about Vlad when he started was he's like super young to hit mm-hmm. the majors and all his levels through the minors. Well, he's not playing with house money anymore. Like this, he should be really good now. He should. So he should. I, if I, if you project him next year for it's like as a first baseman for like 27 or 28 home runs in a 270 average, 275 even average, that's not very good. Like you're no. not going to get, you're not going to have, he's not going to come out very high on your list. Right. It's just so, the, I feel like that's the potential, right? I feel like I'm going to be like, it's going to be a total like fear of missing out sort of thing. Yep. And someone will say in like the third round or something, come on, it's Vladimir Guerrero. I got to take him. So th- the way you solve that is draft Matt Olson or Pete Alonso. And then you don't have to worry about it because you already got first base <laughs> yeah. covered. Yeah. You certainly, um, you could. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, someone I think will start their team with you know, maybe a Bobby Witt and then a Spencer Strider or something. It's Bobby Witt and a pitcher or something like that. And then it won't be Strider, I guess, but right. be Bobby Witt and some pitcher or something. And then be like, come on, it's Vladimir Guerrero. I'll take a shot at him. That it's safe. Good. It's safe. I've got yeah. stolen bases. Yeah. Go for the high homer upside and maybe I'll get the Matt Olsen year. Yeah. yeah right. You yeah. But then you, you're like, well, what really is safe? Because mm-hmm. this year Vladimir Guerrero has been worth 
I got to scroll down the earned auction value calculator to find him. Um, I'm not immediately locating him. Maybe that's how low. Oh, fifteen dollars. It's worth fifteen dollars. That's a really yeah. crummy third or fourth round pick. He's got the hot, you know, as Todd mentioned, Todd Zola mentions, you know, the ex- expected batting average is high still. The ex- the, the exit velocity is high. Mm-hmm. But, you know, grounders are typically hit harder than fly balls, right? Um, line drives are hit harder than anything. But uh, he's not getting loft. I guess that's really the, the issue. Yep. Yeah. And I do feel like anecdotally, and the Jays announcers talk about this, radio and television, that he doesn't seem like explosive at the plate here down the stretch. Like he does seem a little lost. Yeah. I, I, they feel like, I feel like too, when I watch him a lot of like, like you said, a lot of, like a lot of grounders and his ground ball percentage is actually lower this year than last year. It is, but it's still too low or sorry, too high for what you want to see from a slow footed slugger. Yeah. Home run. The fly ball is way down this year. So last year it was 19.9%. The year before 26.5%. This year, 13.5. Is that yep. luck? Is that, you know, circumstance of where he's yep. hitting them? Um, or is that just that he's hitting the line drives and ground balls really hard, but his fly balls, he's not getting the, the same sort of velocity. I, I wonder about that. That's yep. something I need to dig into a little bit more. I'm sure that information is available. I just, I haven't really dug into it. I can, you're, you know what? When I look at his stat cast profile, I can see so much there that says between his name and his stat cast profile, a lot he's of people not going he, in the fifth round. He, he's going sooner. A lot, exactly. People. He will be a trendy bounce back. He'll be in mm-hmm. articles as a bounce back candidate, and they'll say like right going into tonight, he had a two ninety nine xba. He had a five oh nine x slug, which would be the second highest of his career by a lot. And people will say, look at those, look at those stat cast stats. And he's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And he's had one amazing season a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Let's project him for thirty five home runs and a 290 yeah. average and then someone will take him and be super happy to take him in the third round right yeah probably and it sounds yeah. like it won't be you though it will not i don't think so maybe that's a blue jays bias for having been frustrated Perhaps. by his at bats and having to watch them all but mm-hmm. yeah i don't think it'll be me yeah yeah all right well there you go um we solved a lot of problems today had some fun in the same time yeah um Got food for thought for next week. Todd Zola is talking about uh, hitting projections. What we're going to do about that? I think that's good, a good topic. So we'll address that next week, there, there too. But it already is next week, basically from the you know the time we started this podcast, the time we finished it. Uh, mm-hmm. Just it's after midnight your time. Thanks for staying up late. Thanks for those who yep. stayed up late with us and listened in live. And uh, those of you who are listening tomorrow morning, thank you for listening in. Thanks for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We got James tomorrow on the Baseball Pod. Uh, and I'll have a guest to be named later on Thursday. Thanks for listening. Uh, Take care. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.